Hello, and welcome to season two of our Parallel Paths, a future for my loved one with a disability and for me. I'm your host, Dr. Geraldine Arango Dealey, Jerry, and this podcast is about the parallel paths of family members, certainly parents, sometimes siblings as parents age or pass on, and their loved ones with intellectual disabilities. I'm a parent myself. I'm on the path too. Our Parallel Paths is about creating a promising future for our adult family members with an intellectual disability and a promising future for ourselves as that role of family member evolves alongside them. There's more than one path, more than one future to talk about, and that's why we're here. Some remarkable people share their stories on our parallel paths, and I really hope the stories resonate with you and give you ideas and hope for your future. I am very happy to introduce today's guest, Linda Carmona-Bell. Linda and I are members of the Pennsylvania Education for All Coalition, PEAK. Actually, I'm a member. Linda serves as president. Linda Carmona-Bell has worked for over 30 years for the New Jersey Department of Education, and she has a whole lot of experience in bicultural education, educational technologies, computer science, assistive technologies, career in tech ed. Linda assists families, school district administrators, and community leaders in effective collaboration for successful, inclusive classrooms. It was Linda's fourth child, Sienna, who brought her into the world of special education services as a parent. Linda and I met because she shared Sienna's powerful story in my undergrad Intro to Inclusive Education courses on several occasions as a peak parent consultant. Sienna's a little younger than Nick, a little earlier on the parallel path. So I was curious to know how Linda and Sienna's paths are going. So welcome, Linda. Thank you. Thank you very much. How are you today? I am well. Yay, yay. So Linda, out of all the possible topics you could have chosen from what I sent you, you chose the hard work of working in the system. And you also hinted a little bit at the exhaustion, worry, pride topic, which in my experience and probably some of our listeners too, it does connect Uh because families like ours, you know, you work through the school system, which can be exhausting, Uh but systems don't end, do they? They just change. So why was this topic important to you? I think the topic is important because it was the topic that most affected our lives. How so? I think that, first of all, you're never really prepared for the work because you don't know what it entails. And it's different for each individual. So the fact that as I'm going through this journey and on this path, the work that has to be done manifests differently, as you mentioned, but it continues on. And I think that the constant through all this change is that vision that I've always had for her and how her vision was created based on what she wants in her life. So that is always the North Star for us. Okay. 
I feel a path in there, but I also feel like I'm curious for you to talk a little bit about what the vision that you and Sienna have and have had and continue to have for her life and yours. Yeah, so my vision came about when through C2P2, because that was one of the activities, confidence and competence and policy and partners in policy yeah. making. <laughs> Say it again. Confidence and competence. Confidence. Partners, partners in policy, policy making. making. Mm-hmm. Okay, I took that too. You can tell us a little bit about what that is real quick. Yeah, that totally changed my life. So that is an opportunity for family members to partake in monthly meetings away from the home, away from the family, but you're immersed in anything and everything to do with special education services. It was nine months when I went, nine consecutive months of one weekend of just going to a hotel in that conference room from the morning to the evening and just being immersed. But being immersed was so impressive is that you're immersed from people who know, like the people who wrote the law, the people who created the model, the people who designed a particular effective practice, the policymakers. So they all came to share. So you're hearing it firsthand. Yes, I did C2P2EI. They used to run it across the years. I mean, you had a sort of a C2P2 school age. Yep. And I thought for a bit that they had one for adults, services and kind of transition. And they're still running C2P2, which is cool. So anybody listening, it's still going on. You can absolutely take part of it. And at the EI point, I got in, she was five years old. I got in under the wire, but it changed my life because at that point, the vision was since she's four, Fourth in my line was always what everybody else did, mm-hmm. right? Right. I'm just doing what I did with the other three. Okay. There was nothing different. There was some additional questions I was being asked, which I couldn't really answer. Like the big question, what do you need? Uh, yeah. I don't know what I need. What do you got? <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you mean? What I, yeah. 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 It's still being asked, I heard too. People are asking, well, so what do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I don't know, right? right. So that has been my thing throughout. I don't know what I don't know. Don't ask me that question. Uh-huh. Tell mm-hmm. me first what's available. I'll filter it. Well, I also think maybe in some way they're trying to say, name it and we can work with it. But sometimes depending on where we find folks, they aren't ready to ask. And so it's almost like they can say, what do you need? And you come back with a question too, and you go back and forth. It's not like here, you already know what we have. Tell us what you want. I think it should be a conversation between the two entities, family and whoever's asking. But sometimes it's just this open-ended question and you don't know what you can get. You don't really know what it means to have a service, right? When you're younger, I had no clue about therapies, none. So what do you need? I don't know. I don't know what I need, right? There was also, at the time, things have changed, I hope. There was a difference of opinion in terms of speech. Okay. There was this two frames of thought, actually three, about how to approach speech delays. You had the medical model. You have the educational model. And then you have, within that therapeutic model, you have those who believe in motor planning and those who don't believe in motor planning for speech. So I had to kind of juggle all these different perspectives. 
and opinions and figure out someone who had no clue. Yeah, and learn those, discipline. what they've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, not knowing, and this is just the one thing I always beat myself up about, is that I didn't know there's a window of opportunity to make a decision for someone with significant speech delays. I didn't know that there's a window until after that window passed and someone told me, oh, well, we kind of skipped that window where you could really work with someone more invasive, right? Because by the time they're seven, they're like, uh-uh, you're not getting in my mouth. Well, I mean, they talk about that with reading as well. There's a certain time you have where children will learn to read. And I feel you because I was like, well, Nick was busy being in the hospital you know, so while we were doing yeah. all that and kind of missed it. And that's the hard part of our journey is looking back and going, shoulda, woulda, coulda, didna, you know, yeah. and what do you do with that? Yeah. I hope we just educate families coming up, right? Yeah. Let them know some of the questions to ask and some of the things to look out for. It's not a bad thing to look at some of the things that are possible challenges. You don't want people to think everything is going to be a bed of roses. Mm-hmm. But I think that was one of the key pieces in designing her vision is saying through C2P2 as an actual activity to write a vision for your child. After I wrote one thing and then I heard what other people said and I was like, oh, wait, I like that. And I like that. And Uh I kept recrafting it and recrafting it to say, what do I really see her as Mm -hmm. at 30 years old when I'm no longer here? What does that look like? Right. And every aspect of living. And at first it was just a very shallow vision. And then over time, it just got much more expanded. And then that led everything that led our IP, that led her job choices until she chose. And that occurred at that path. We did a path for her. Mm -hmm. And at the first meeting, she started to speak up just a little bit, which kind of surprised everyone. I was like, okay. Okay. And then we did a second path and she really spoke up. I said college. She said, nope. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, okay. Okay. I said church. She said, nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, know, you gave it a shot. <laughs> I sure did. She was like, uh-uh, we're not putting that. She's the one who said she wanted to go to prom. She's the one who said she wanted to date. I was like, okay, wait, I'm not ready. Hold on. What? <laughs> She's the one who said she wanted to drive. What? You know, this was news to me. Really? Okay. That's all right. That's all right. You know, that's where it becomes like what I want for my other kids. It's like, well, how did I end up sort of thinking, well, not you, the others, yes, but not you. Right. And so that's a challenge to us when our children do open their mouths and say, this is what I had in mind. Thank you very much. Self-reflection on my part, right? Because mm-hmm. now I have to stop trying to impose my vision. Stop it, Linda. So every time I try that, we go to a college campus. I'm like, oh, don't you like these courses? <laughs> She's like, nope. nope. <laughs> I'm like, okay, stop it. Like, let her be her, right? All right. Let her be her. It's just such a much more deliberate cut of yeah. role release. Definitely. And it takes longer. Nick is 24, and I feel like I'm still role releasing where my daughter, 27, and role release happened quite a while back and it looks different now, but it's kind of ongoing for this 24 going on 25 year old person. So let me ask you this, when it came to like the systems, when did you start thinking about, uh-oh, or about to change systems? 
And how does the vision fit in there? Like I'm going from the K-12-21 system where I am entitled to free and appropriate public education, exhausting as that can sometimes be to get. And now I'm heading out of a system of what I am entitled to and entering into a system of what I qualify for. When did you start thinking about that, realizing it? When did it hit you on the head? The After high school transition, I started thinking about it, again, as part of her vision. When she was five, it's actually in her vision statement. Right. What we were going to have, we were going to have the support people at the table. We were going to have that decision, her working and exploring fields and careers ninth, 10th grade. And so that's what we moved on because that was the vision for her to work. And for her, it's going to take time. It's going to take time to understand and acclimate to shift from school to work, right? Because there's routine in school Mm -hmm. that you get very comfortable with, that bell concept, right? And then you have to shift the mindset to be a good worker, just have good work ethic. Mm -hmm. So we started, I guess, in her high school years. How's work? Oh, no, we don't do work. We don't do work till 11th grade at earliest. We don't do work till I'm like, no, no, she has to do something. We have to start this ball rolling. That was her ESY. Her ESY was teacher assistant. Let's see how she works with other kids. Let's see how she works. Start time, clock in, end time, clock out. That's how that started. And then we just moved and progressed. My two goals were endurance because my child would stop after five minutes and go, I'm done work. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time, but I'm out, you know, (laughs) endurance. And she had to have the ability to conceptually understand starts and stop time, right? She has to be able to work that time. And then we just build the time. One hour, two hours, four hours. And when you said building the time, I'm thinking about your shift now too, because Uh you're shifting out of K-12 into the adult services system. You're Uh shifting into somebody is working with her and you on these things that you're saying make her a good worker because she wants to work. Uh How's the shift going for you? Right now, she is in the role of customized employment. So she has a job coach who's looking. So she went through the first discovery part and now she's in part B, right? Really looking for employment. The interesting thing is the job coach is finding the jobs or the interviews and the places of interest in multiple different places, various times of the week. It's just who knows when someone asks you to come in type of thing. And so thank goodness I have some flexibility at work, but I am literally taking off time to be the chauffeur, prep her, transport her, and bring her home so she can decompress. Yeah, that's the other piece of all of this is that transportation is not part of the services. That's huge. It is. And they say that they can work with an Uber and start that, but again, This is going to take time to get her into that whole Uber world. And not that it's not doable. Like, you know, Jerry, everything's doable. She can do it all. It's just the prep time, Mm -hmm. the practice time, the decompress. And the decompress is important for someone with anxiety issues. 
right? Yeah. Because when she comes home, it comes apart. Yeah. Because I'm home. And you've been holding it together. I've been holding it together. And now I got to come home and let go. I know for me also, it's about role release. It's like, you know what? I'm going to put somebody, my son in an Uber and he's got to get there. And he's got, you know, like there's all these pieces that are for me to shift as well. And again, role release. I thought I was done role releasing. I got to do some yeah. role releasing, you know, and trusting different entities to do what I've done. Yeah. And that's a shift too. So yeah, I'm going to follow the Uber. Yeah, I am. Good for you. I'm going to do yeah. that for the first one or two times. I'm going to follow the Uber. I'm just going to make sure everything's okay. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't, but that's how it's going to work. But you know, that's one way. The other thing is that I had already prepped her for years to take public transportation. So we are prepared Right. If she gets someplace where public transportation is available. Unfortunately, many of the places we looked, public yeah. transportation is not so readily available. Okay. But we're trying locally. If we try locally, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So at this point, she's still kind of looking for the job. And so... She's had a lot of volunteer opportunities mm-hmm. to see if there's a fit. Okay. So how is this role release going for you? All these pieces? Well, other than the exhaustion part, like you were talking about, I am very flexible in general. Okay. But I'm a planner. So there's always a plan A and a plan B. And I always need a plan two steps ahead of where we need to be. So I don't know if that's an OCD thing. I have no idea. I just know, even when I drive, like I can't do GPS but just step by step. I need to know two steps ahead. I need to know all the time where I'm expected to be two steps ahead. So what I'm looking at now for me is really the plan is two steps ahead, but I don't even know what the next step is. Does that make sense? So in school, I had a better understanding of grade level. Right. Mm -hmm. She was included. I can judge based on a lot of materials that are available, conversations with people who I know I was going to meet. I could do two steps ahead, but she's out of that now. Mm -hmm. I don't know what two steps ahead really looks like. So I'm a little discombobulated because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am almost forced to go step by step, which is kind of against my grain. Yeah. Because I'm usually have to have my plan A and plan B. And right now I'm kind of just the plan A, which is really just concerning. It's like a North Star without anything in between now and, and the big picture. It is. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. What keeps you going? What's keeping you on the path? How are you taking care of you? Are you I'm taking care, care of you? I'm trying. This is I the really question I bring to everyone, including myself. Then it goes quiet because we focused on our children, all our children, and one or so need a little more focus, a little longer duration focus, but we're still there. And how do we stay strong? Taking care of yourself. I think talking to family members, my sister's always a big champion in my corner. Yay. So talking out my kids, they lived it for so long, the other three. So I talk it out with them. They get it. My youngest son is actually in the behavioral therapy world now. So he gets it. 
talking with them. Definitely calling on my faith because that's a big one. Always knowing that I'm not in this alone. Okay. I have a stronger power already here. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really ever discouraged. I just know that it's just going to take more time. So for me, because I tend to be involved in so many different things, that time factor is the piece that I got to work on. Okay. I said no to something the other day and I almost bought myself a big present because (laughs) I, how silly that I can't say no to stuff. I was like, I said it, the world still spun, took care of it. And I was like, that was a bigger deal. And I am embarrassed to say how big of a deal it was for me to say no to something. Like someone asked me to do something. Guess what? It's not as hard the next time. (laughs) You can actually do it. I find it very hard. And asking for help has always been very hard. Okay. Even with my kids, asking for help has just been very, very hard because I always kind of figure out, well, how can I do it, right? And sometimes I shouldn't be figuring out how I can do it. Bring in the village, have other people kind of figure it out. Yeah, because that almost is the answer is how can I do it? I can do it with help. I hear you. That's a shift for us. But it's like, you know what? I think if you put it into the mix, if you actually utter that sentence, it's a start. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things I ask people is what do you maybe wish you'd known before you started thinking with Sienna as she plans her future with you and her family? Is there something that you wish you'd known before you started? Because we can all learn from the things that we all wish we'd done differently. I don't know if anyone else can learn from it, but the thing that resonates with me is I just wish I knew that my opinion would not have been valued. That was a shocker to me that I could speak at a meeting and be totally ignored. I wish I knew that because then I take offense, right? I was very offended. My expertise as an educator was not even considered. And this is in K-12, you feel like, the most? Well, no, like with everyone. Hmm. I'm talking about that initial meeting for everyone. It's not a level playing field. I feel it's just not a level playing field. I can tell you my personal opinion that I think there's a lot of institutional bias in socioeconomic factors for sure. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it even when I help other family members and I'm sitting at the table with them. And I can see based on some assumptions that are made based Mm -hmm. on socioeconomic status. Low expectations. Uh Uh-huh. I think that so much of the systems are ingrained in this mediocrity and routine. This is the way we do it. It's the way we do it. Mm -hmm. And they talk down, you know, my first thing of being called mom, I am not your mother. And I don't understand why I need to call you Mr. Miss or doctor and you call me mom. So automatically at the conversation, and again, this still happens now. I can go to an OVR meeting and, oh, well, mom feels, excuse me, Linda, feel free to call me Linda because I'm calling you by your first name. Good for you. Good for you. And we are equals mm -hmm. at this table. And again, I could be overly sensitive because I do feel that language is important. It is very important. Mm -hmm. And immediately I feel this sense on how you feel about me in this conversation based on your language. Mm -hmm. I agree. I remember thinking that with regard to sitting at the table all these years with Nick stuff in school and realizing it's not me as it were, but it's like, if I have to call you Dr. So-and-so, you can call me Dr. So-and-so too. Absolutely. Yeah. It was just like, this is my uh, shyness kind of going through my own reserve and whatever and saying, uh, you know what? Don't do that. 
<laughs> don't do that. And everybody got on a first name basis. And it was like, you know what? Then everybody is on a first name basis. But these are the little things I hope that you and I will take with us to these next contexts that we're in of, okay, now I'm in an adult system. And if I call you Mr., then you call me, you know, whatever by my title, or we're all first name, you know, like, let's just level the playing field because the intent is to be partners. Absolutely. And I think in the nature of collaboration, which I strongly believe in, and as many challenges as we had, the conversation changes when the language changes. It does. It changes. And again, it comes from this sense of just feeling that my lived experiences are not valued at this table. We have a problem because Mm -hmm. I can contribute, right? And I think that's one of the other institutional concerns is this idea that the service provider, the organization staff, everybody feels that they can do it because it's their job. So they do it alone Mm -hmm. as opposed to a partnership. Well, I have a whole slew of resources. I can help you out. Your job doesn't have to be that hard. Yeah, I can actually make the job easier. I can make the job easier. Mm -hmm. It is recognizing the fact that Everyone at the table has something to contribute. And once that's established, the conversation changes. So people always ask me, well, how did this happen with you? And how did you get that? Well, I think that the key is that we are all a team, truly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's the K-12 world, even now post-secondary, we're a team in this. Mm -hmm. And not only do I have information to contribute about my young adult, that's no question. But, you know, I have some lived experiences too that mm-hmm. might contribute to this whole conversation. Yeah, there you go. You know? There you go. And I think in another way, we can start thinking about ourselves walking in and saying, you know what? Uh, I am a partner. You're inviting me to this, but I'm supposed to be here. And I do have something to offer. And that really does have us mentally come in with our A game. And that's sometimes the hardest part. Yeah. But to say, I assume I have something to say here. I assume you're going to listen to me. Right. And I would be surprised to know that you're going to not listen or kind of right. blow off something I'm saying. But that's a big ask for anyone, myself included, to yeah. really walk in feeling like I got this. That's my personal North Star is to just walk in feeling like I am a partner. Sometimes partner is 50-50 or sometimes it's 60-40, 70-30, whatever, right up to 100. But that's the assumption going in, not may I ask a question. And they should feel that way too. That like, you know what, I'm a resource. I have a really cradle to grave, womb to tomb, birth to earth interest in this person, my son. Absolutely. But that's a day-to-day kind of thing to work on ourselves. You know, I think it's similar to going to a doctor. Do I want to go to a doctor? And I'm telling you, Jerry, I've had some fantastic doctors that I've left because Mm -hmm. I cannot handle the fact that you do not value my opinion because this is very important, my medical health, right? My medical health, yes. (laughs) You have to listen to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I researched you. I know you're a professional and expert in your field. That's awesome. But if you're not listening to me, we are not compatible. I can't go to a medical physician or anyone who is not going to be considering my opinion as in valuing what I'm saying. And again, it could just be me. But when I walk into a room and we're really talking about 
some really important things here, things that can change a life and life outcomes. This is pretty critical. If I'm not valued in terms of my resources and expertise, and you won't know that until we talk, right? So that assumption, and I'm telling you, I had everything from people talking slowly and loudly to me to (laughs) to just ignoring everything I had just said and trying to end a meeting. I'm like, wait, excuse me, was I at the same meeting you were at? Being very, very not intentionally, and I have to say that, not intentionally rude or disrespectful, never intentional, but assertive. All right. Yeah. To the point that we have to stop and we can meet again if you want. But I can tell you that that first meeting where you have so many people in the room and you feel like crying when you leave, yeah. like I get that because that was overwhelming. Yeah. I get that. I've been there, but have learned over time that you're sitting in a room with people and people are people. Yeah. And in some kind of way, even if it seems a bit misguided, somehow or other, I believe they want to do the job. They want to do it well. It's just that we haven't quite figured out what your well and my well, why they aren't dovetailing is better. Now with all of this insight, can you think of a moment or two where you felt like, yeah, I'm proud of that. Something kind of did gel. Something did come together in a way that you feel like, yeah, I remember that one fondly. I remember that feeling. Well, I think in the K-12 world, It could even be PK-12 world. I think I have changed systems. Unfortunately, they may have been temporary, but I think I had made systems change. Just the fact that it was not just for my child, but others benefited from that change, I think is important. Everything from the bus leaving early for students with disabilities and making that change, which I'm sure the teachers had my face on the dartboard and the teachers, because <laughs> they could no longer leave early, but making <laughs> that change in district to say, no, we're losing some critical instructional time uh-huh. that over a year is essential yeah, for up. all the students, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so changing that model, which was there forever, I think I'm super proud of. Again, I'm sure the teachers weren't so thrilled. Well, you know what? Bring that to adult services and question, I think, as I'm you know, in the throes of it right now, and you just find good people to yeah. walk with you. I have a marvelous supports coordination organization right now and good folk in the corner. We're trying new things. And it's like, you know what? There are these moments where it's like, what were they thinking? Or, oh, that worked. And I think it's all part of the journey. And to really, you know, hopefully remind yourself in those dark moments, like, you know what? I did make change and I'll make it again. There's just a new set of players. Yeah. These players are real long-term. I think it's also important to make sure that people you're working with on your team know that you're grateful and appreciate them. Mm Mm-hmm. They are, for better or for worse, people really, I think, do come to it with what they believe is our children's best interests. And it's a matter of the conversation to refine it. But I find that comforting in a way to say, you know what, I know you really care about my son. And I'm not sure if I agree with what you're going for here. Right. Exactly. And then let's talk about it. Exactly. Because I have to have some of those conversations now because (laughs) I think we're going in different directions. What did you say? Yeah. (laughs) I I think uh, something's a little slanted, but I think that that communication is important. 
Yeah. Because the best interest is at heart. Yeah. That's a lovely kind of way to close our time together, I think, is just to sort of say that the communication is important. And as much as we want a presumption of competence for our children, we'd like it for ourselves. I want to give it to the folks that I'm working with too. So I'm not going to start thinking that you're ill-suited and inept and whatever. I want to be right about you. The good thing so often you can be. I think starting out on a positive note can be helpful. I just don't know how to make the switch if a switch is needed. So, you know, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, you've communicated, you've communicated, you've communicated, but now you're in the adult world, right? Yeah. So it's really hard to switch because there's such short staff everywhere and people are so inundated everywhere. And so at yeah. what point do you switch? So that's kind of still a pending question that I'll probably talk to you offline about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll probably have, you know, like all kinds of thoughts on that and throw it back to you and we'll, we'll keep talking. But when you say the switch, what switch are you thinking of specifically? Well, because when we're looking for employment mm-hmm. and it starts to look more like supportive employment rather than customized employment, uh-huh. it's almost as if the expectation has changed Not from me, but maybe from the other side, for my adult child. So I think if the conversation doesn't yield any change in terms of making it more leaning towards customized employment, Uh then I think we have to switch. Yeah. I mean, I think the other piece is, I don't know about you, but when Nick turned 18 and hit the age of majority, all of a sudden it was like, you're nobody now. And I said, I've been so somebody for so long that, you know, when my daughter turned 18, it was like, well, okay, but you're telling me I can't, I can't, I can't when I've been doing this all this time. And I think somehow you have to kind of get back into the mentality, I do anyway, of saying, well, I do have some say, you know, the law says you're out of this because he's 18. And it's like, well, that's why I'm his power of attorney. That's why I have some code in social security where I can speak for him on the phone because he's really not intelligible on the phone. You know, I had to really shore up all these ways to continue to have the legal voice. And so part of the switch is saying, yeah, normally a role release here, but the conversation does have to go on. This is not a typical situation. And I think that's a hard switch. I do because it's a mental switch for us. And it's like a a couple of legal hurdles too which is mm, very that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. calling the doctor and I would say I'm calling for him and they're like, Oh, you can't speak for him. And I said, well, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. And I had to produce all kinds of paperwork, you know, yeah. I carry his power of attorney in my car. Yeah. Um, that is a whole new world. Yeah. For sure. So I'm with you. So let's chat again. <laughs> Thank talking. you. But Thank is you. there anything else that you want to add for you or Sienna as next steps or the job search continues, their finding of, what that looks like continues. What else? What's going on with Sienna and you? Yeah, next steps. We are definitely going to find her a career. My vision is intertwined with hers. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Because she's looking for a job and she wants a job, but I really want her to have a career. I want her to be in a non-routine, something that will challenge her mind because I would argue that individuals with Down syndrome has a higher rate of Alzheimer's disease because they are not challenged 
mm-hmm. in terms of their mental capacity as they tell us all to be as we age, right? Okay. That level of critical thinking to be maintained. And she's a great critical thinker. And I just hope that her career will allow her to use her critical thinking skills and not lose them. Yeah. So that's my journey for her. And for and me, for it's just yeah. to work on me to get and stay. Thank God I'm very healthy. Stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. More sleep would be great. Like just get more sleep. Yeah. And yeah. I'm good at what I'm eating. I am all plant-based now. So okay. I'm really good at that. I'm working on exercising every morning. That's working out okay. So those types of things keep in my body, my health. Once I retire, I hope to be going to service every day. I have all these great plans to keep me spiritually, mentally, physically healthy. And I'm glad you have that on your radar. It's on the radar. It's not like somewhere at the bottom of the list. It is on it the radar. Because it has to be. It's what you need. Ultimately, what in her own way she will need is a strong you. But it's really that you need a strong you because you deserve happiness. You deserve to have the life that you want and to enjoy your whole family and the whole constellation of the crew that is life. Yeah, and I want to continue my passion, Sherry. My passion is really to speak for those who can't speak for themselves. I truly want to continue this work that Peak has allowed me to do with focusing on empowering families so they understand inclusion and how it can benefit all. I cannot tell you how many teachers have changed their perspective after having my child. Some have retired after having my child, but some also have gained new skills and they take that with them to the next level. And that's really awesome to see and how they tell me how things have changed in the way they look at students. I mean, that's amazing. I want to continue that. I want to continue following that passion too. And Good for you for giving that to yourself and saying, you know what, this is what I want. And remembering it in moments where you're feeling like, ah, celebrate yourself and the things that you have accomplished because you've accomplished a lot. And you gave my students on several occasions a story to kind of wrap their minds around. They always found the parents' stories when I invited folks in to be so powerful, you know. One semester, I built the whole course around the parents' stories and had them write reflections and stuff. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Peak didn't get the money the next time around, I think, and that had to go away. But I know the school still uses parent consultants and stuff. It's a powerful, powerful story. And so celebrate that. And if you don't have a class to present it to, present it to yourself, okay? And and remind yourself (laughs) yourself that you've done all this good. It's in-house and it's out there in the world and celebrate yourself. So I'm going to thank you at this point, Linda Carmona-Bell, for taking time to share your story, to share Sienna's story and what's bringing you strength for the journey. And to my listeners, thank you for joining me on our Parallel Paths today. I hope you'll like and subscribe to the podcast. And I really hope you'll return to listen and learn from more stories of people like you and me and our loved one with a disability on our Parallel Paths. We'll see you next time. 